Welcome to the Entertainment Engine. Hello, my name is Peter Moore. And I'm Bex Gregory. And welcome to the next episode of the Entertainment Engine. The idea behind this podcast is to provide clarity and information on the entertainment industry for new bands and artists, as well as existing creative industry people who are looking just to brush up on their knowledge. You can listen to us on all streaming platforms and be sure to subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. If you want to learn more about what we do on a day-to-day basis, then please visit our website, seamlessentertainment.co.uk. Each week, we'll be bringing you an in-depth area of the entertainment industry. Also on the show, Bex has the facts of the day and a question for this week for our listeners. And now we are joined by a very special guest this week, American producer and composer Victor Merritt. His work has been Grammy nominated with several platinum records. Victor has worked with global international artists including Michael Jackson, Bobby Brown, Bobby Valentino, U2, Joe Jackson, Babyface, Teddy Riley and Diana Ross, just to name a few. Victor shares some great stories and advice for aspiring talent who would like to get into the music industry. Here's the chat we had with Victor earlier this week. Welcome everybody to the Entertainment Engine and today we have a really special guest all the way from Los Angeles, USA. We have Mr. Victor Merritt. Victor, how are you? I'm doing okay. How are you doing? I'm very well. Mm-hmm. I'm very well. How was um how's your week been so far? So far it's been pretty you know adventurous. I've been a uh, Talking to a friend of mine, Nick Pearson of uh, MPA Management, I'm trying to arrange a, a music license for an artist named Lillian out of the Netherlands. So I've been kind of going back and forth with that situation. So that's what my day, my, my week has been consistent of. <laughs> and me and Wendy Halo, which is a great friend of mine from Spain, she's been trying to help me with this situation. So this is what we've been doing for the last past week. So Okay. So, so you've been testing the old brain cells then? Yeah. Woo! Yes, yeah, been testing me. <laughs> Really? <laughs> <laughs> Keeping you busy. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> and are you really to kick off our chat today, Victor? Tell us um, a little bit more about your journey through the music industry and where you grew up. We'd love to know a little bit more about that. Oh, yeah, yes. I grew up in Tulsa, Oklahoma. I was born in 1967. And uh, when I was a year old in 1968, my mother and father broke up. And briefly, my mother dated Charlie Wilson, which I didn't know who Charlie Wilson was at the time. And... You know, as as I was growing up, you know, I was always influenced by music. I was influenced by certain groups, Cameo, Gap Band, which I didn't know who they were at the time. And in 1976, what was so funny about it, 1976, uh, they were on the radio. We were living in San Francisco, California. And my mother told us, called us, called all the kids over to, to the radio station, I mean the radio, and said, listen, that guy singing right there used to be my boyfriend when... When Victor, when you was a little bitty boy, and I was like to myself, okay, my mom's telling me a bold-faced lie, right? <laughs> <laughs> you know, my mother said he's the guy on the radio, and she's talking about that was her boyfriend at the time. So, But, you know, fast forward a few more years later, I convinced my grandmother in 1983 to give me a keyboard. And I thought she was going to give me just a rinky-dink old keyboard, a little cheap keyboard. She went out and purchased $1,100 Yamaha PC-1000. And I didn't know how to play it at all, period. I didn't know. I was just talking about it, but I didn't know how to play it at all. So I was sitting in the back room and just beat on it and beat on it and beat on it. And my grandmother came off work one day and she had a plastic bag. And 
I said, hi, mama, what you doing? She said, hey, I bought something for you, a gift for you. I said, what is it? She opened up, it was a prayer phone. She said, plug the damn thing in. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I'm wow. tired of hearing it. So plug that thing in. So I eventually I just kept playing and kept playing. And I wanted to play so good. So I would listen to Top 40, listen to a lot of bands that I like. And I would listen to the keyboard parts of it. And I would just try to play over, play over and play over. And eventually I got to where I can just master it, you know. And and I put a band together when, when I was in high school. In 1984, a lot, of, a lot of friends of mine, we all got together and everybody had very good musical talents. And we got together and called ourselves Tastemakers. And we started performing around town, little festivals. And we called Ivers, little local manager, and he pulled us up and, and he started, do, you know, getting shows for us. And one day he said, hey, a friend of mine's named Bobby Eden, he used to play for Natalie Cole. He lives in Tulsa, too. And he's bringing a national show here. He's bringing the deal, which I knew about the deal. I heard that was their first album. I heard about him, and the deal and climax was the all ladies group, one of the best groups I've ever heard in my life. And, and and Cheryl, if you're out there, I'm giving you props. But she's that that group was just one of the best things I've ever heard. Six women played instruments like that. I've never heard that, and it just blew me away. So we auditioned for the guy Bobby Eaton. He loved us. We were kids. He said, "Man, these kids are great." So he allowed us to open up for the deal and climax. And this was our first show, you know, and these, both of these groups, the deal and climax, both had top billboard top albums. And so they were just touring through the whole nation at the time. And we opened up for them and we did our little, we did our little thing. And when I came off stage, when we came off stage, a uh, guy walked up to me and he asked me, he said, uh, trying to be funny a little bit. He said, man, did the, did the keyboards say something about your mother? I said, huh? He said, no, no. He said, seriously. He said, me and me in LA, he said, me in LA was just, asking ourselves that little young guy is attacking that keyboard like that keyboard insulted his mother <laughs> <laughs> and i said <laughs> and i said no he said how old are you i told him i was 17 he said man i've never seen nobody that young play a keyboard that good he said he said you you, you guys are good he said but you are good at them keyboards and i told him i was going to college next year so he gave me his phone number and said hey you, you know you have to think about it give me a call so i went to college in san francisco uh Contra Costa College of Richmond, California. And I was there about six, seven months. And I just told my father, I said, I really want to try this music thing. He said, well, son, I mean, one thing about college, you can always go back. I said, okay. And so I called Babyface. And he said, where are you at? I told him where I was. He said, come on to LA. He flew, matter of fact, he flew me to LA. Flew me to LA. And I stayed with him in his little bitty apartment that he had. They were just, you know, they was they were just coming up at the time. So. And he had me do all kind of little, little playing here, playing with groups here, playing with groups there, playing with him. And I just learned my niche. But I really, really, I wanted to be a superstar myself. This is what I believed in my soul to soul, that I would be a famous singer and I would have millions of fans making all the videos. This is what I just really thought. And so Babyface told me, Charlie Wilson told me, you know, we got to be very, 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 very cool. Charlie Wilson told me, your niche is in making other artists look good. He said, because when you have, whenever you hear artists sound so good, the first thing you say was, who done the music? Who done the production? And so I didn't believe them. I was like, okay, right, right, right. It just was, I felt they was holding me back. So I went behind <laughs> Babyface's back and signed with Capitol Records, a development deal. And that was 
at that time, not, no offense to Capital, because I love Capital right now, but that was a mistake for me, you know, being so young. And the AR person who brought me in, Miss Lee, she happened to get a promotion and went to Asia. And so that left us, me and my brother's group, which is Portrait, that left us kind of stranded. And I learned the business then that when an AR brings you into a label, they're responsible for you because they can lose their job if they keep bringing in acts and these acts don't produce for the label. Exactly. So exactly. I was wondering why I could, would nobody else, you know, every, every time I talked to somebody, they were busy doing something else. They had their own acts mm-hmm. to be responsible for. You know, they couldn't be responsible for us. So I finally told Babyface what I had done and I was stuck. And he eventually, his lawyer ended up getting me out of the deal. So, and I learned then, this is, you know, you just don't, this business is about knowing things in this business and asking questions if you don't know. Mm. You know, and this is what people don't, you, you can't, if you don't, I don't know everything. I'm still, I'm 53 years old and I've been in this business almost 35 years and I still ask questions sometimes. And when questions are asked to me, I don't get upset because I want a person to ask me something so we can have a great understanding yeah. before we have a misunderstanding, you know? Yeah. And so I, yeah, I, I love that aspect of this, that you have to know things in this business. And I just happened to get lucky and I have to start, you know, writing because I've always been a great writer. I've always been a great writer. I mean, a great writer. I haven't written every, every hit I've ever wrote, written. Didn't start out like that. Some songs that I wrote, that I thought was very, very great, didn't turn out to be nothing. And what I mean by a great writer, that's not trying to you know, bring myself up to higher esteem. Any songwriter that writes a song, you better think you're a great writer. Mm-hmm. You better have, you better have, if no one else believes in it, you better believe in it. Yeah, absolutely. If you don't believe, yeah, because don't worry about what the next person, if you don't believe that you're a great writer, not a good writer, a great writer. Because every song I've ever written, I think is the best song I've ever written in my life. Then to the next song. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. I mean, you know, with your background of you know working in the industry for many, many years. I mean, does the industry still motivate you today? And what are the best parts that you would say that you enjoy from the industry? Right now in the industry, yeah, because I've been in it so long, it's so industry-based now you know they're doing away with the they're trying to do away with all the intangibles and what i mean by intangibles i mean by all the physical things that you can look at and that you can touch and you can you know you can't buy the records no more you can't buy the cds anymore everything is streaming see Mm -hmm. all that's industry friendly all that's about their money you know and Mm -hmm. so they're taking it away from the artists because back in the days we used to be able to go quarterly and go say, hey, how many how many units did I move this time? You know, what happened? Mm-hmm. You know, and they have to show you, physically show you, hey, did you move to 100,000, you moved 2 million, or you moved whatever. Now, it's all streaming. And you have those places on those streaming platforms that will allow you to stream for $10 a million songs if you want to. So how are you going to split between all these songwriters $10? Mm. Yeah. Well, 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 exactly. Exactly. You can't. You can't. Yeah. You can't. You can't do it. No, you can't do no. it. You can't. So, so all the people make money is the industry. The industry's getting the ten dollars. Exactly. So, yeah, all you getting is oh, you've had five million streams or ten million streams. So what? I got ten dollars. You send me a check for ten dollars. Yeah, and yeah. all you could do is buy a burger and a cup of coffee, and that's about it. <laughs> yeah, you send me a check for ten dollars, which I can't buy gas with. You know what I'm saying? But, <laughs> yeah. but this is how this industry goes, and so it's not 
artist based anymore, mm. but the artist is taking, we need to start taking it back. And they've been doing little provisions here and there, but this pandemic has made, has made it so difficult yeah. to tour. And this is what artists make money. This is why I try to explain to these young artists, which I adore working with. And I'll get to that in a minute, but, but this industry stopping the touring is getting to where these artists can. I'm talking about these super, talking about Lady Gaga and people like that who I've had connections to talk to. You know, they got, they sitting on a pile of money, but you need more piles of money because that money don't last forever. No, exactly. You know, and they can't move right now. They can't move right now. And they can't do these tours right now. So, I mean, let's just hope this this uh, vaccine works out best because the artists are going to need to get on the road. Another good friend of mine, Bruno Mars, you know, he toured on that 24 Karat album. He, I think he made about $100 million off of it. Not from the sales that he made, from the tours that he made. He toured everywhere. I'm talking about for three years on, on that album. And that's what you do in the industry. Whenever you're hot, you get on the road. Because when you're, the, when you're with, the, with the label, you get probably 70, 60 to 70 cents. This was back in the days. Now, and back just recently, you may get 60 to 70 cents per album or CD sold. Period. And then if you got a band of five. <laughs> mm, yeah. So, and if you sell a million copies and you already owe the record company a million dollars and you sell a million copies at 60 cent or 70 cent, guess what? You got a platinum award and you steal $300,000 in the red. And yeah. I think, and I think listening to your passion, <laughs> Victor, which I really, Becky yeah. and I really like, I mean, going back in the day when you was pumping the streets and working really hard, yeah. I see you was working with Doug Morris and Nancy Levine at RCA. So what was the difference today? To then, and was it more personal then? Is it more like a machine then? How was it like working with Doug and Nancy? Yeah. What, what was the relationship? Like? Yes, yes, just Doug, the chairman, Doug, and another guy got Brian Loof. He was a um, good, good friend of mine now, great friend of mine now. And Brian was uh, vice president of AR at the time when I was over there at uh, RCA. And these guys, along with Doug, they allowed you to produce. They allow you to put your input in it. They didn't stand over you. They didn't do none of that. You know what I mean? And they they trust your judgment. Now, if it didn't work, they'll say, okay, now next time I might need to stand over there and figure out what you're doing. Yeah. But they will allow producers to be a producer. They allow artists to be artists. You know, and now you have the, there's such, in the industry now, they're all on top artists. And they're suffocating these artists sometimes. And artists get kind of scared to branch out and try to say, well, I kind of like this part. I like that part. I always tell them to speak up. Mm. You know, speak up. You know what I mean? Let, let them, let, you know, don't be scared of that. Once they sign you, they're investing to, into you. You know, don't be rebellious, but also speak up. If something you don't like, say it. Speak on it. Yeah. You know, speak on it. Because it's your life. It's your career. Do you still speak to Doug and Nancy, Victor? Do you still have a relationship with them? No, I haven't. I have. I've been trying to get in touch with both of them. You know, I've been. I've been trying to get in touch with both of them. I, uh, Doug has a, uh, I think twelve records. I think yes, he has. Yeah. He has a new new thing, twelve records. So yeah, I've I've I've, I've talked to a couple of NR people, and I told them I sent them my number, tell them to tell Doug to call. I hope he's okay. You know, mm. I mean, I love the guy. Guys, he's, he's a genius. He's a genius. I call him the chairman. You know, that's, that's his name, the chairman. Period. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's an impressive background. Impressive. I mean- being head of MCA and, yeah. and head of Sony, I mean, and also as well, uh, it, it, you know, with, with somebody like that, um, Victor, 
getting older in years as well and still running a big label and being in charge. I mean, they're doing something right. He's doing something right. Mm. Yes. But, but then listen, nowadays, these labels, uh, I tell all these, a lot of artists I deal with, I tell them that a lot of the people that's running these labels, I don't even know. I, don't, I mean, they some of them coming out of college, some of them coming out. It's not like the old school. The old school days were you worked your way up. You worked your way up. You started from the bottom, and you, if you ran that label, you could say you almost was the male guy 25 years ago. Mm. Now these guys are coming in, and some of these ladies, too, they're coming into these industries, and they're getting put in these places, these positions. Not all of them, but some of them are. And when it comes down to the bottom line, all they're doing is crunching the numbers, which this is a business like that, which is fine. But if mm. something goes wrong in the studio, if you if I run a label, if I'm a label head, I can get out of my big chair and go all the way downstairs and sit behind that booth, put the earphones on and straighten out what, 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 the, what the problem was. Yeah. And when you can't do that, and, a lot of them, and some of them are musicians. To me, it's like being, here's, here's, here's a perfect example. You can't learn how to be a drug counselor by college and reading a book. You have to be an ex-drug addict to be a good drug counselor because you know how it feels to have the shakes mm -hmm. clock in the morning. So you can call me at three o'clock in the morning and I know how to Shakespeare, you know, if I was in a position. So certain things, you, you've got to be some kind of experience in it before you just go trying to run it. And sometimes it'd be friends, knowing friends, knowing nephews, and, all, and you put them in positions in these labels and they know nothing about any kind of music thing. Yeah. And I mean, not, not everybody. It's just I've, I've known about a couple of labels, you know, when I ask questions they didn't know, is one label I call... <laughs> And I talked to a very, very nice lady. She was so nice. And she knew who I was. And I told her, I said, well, all you have to do is check your archives. You know, it's your label. I made your label a lot of money. She called back. She said, oh, Mr. Merrill, I'm so sorry. And <laughs> she said, yeah. She said, well, I've read all about you. <laughs> because they don't know you because these are new. They're newbies. You know, I don't knock them. Everybody got to have a job. <laughs> but they don't know. They don't know some of these people. You know, they don't know some of these people who who moved a lot of units at their labels. Mm. You know, you got to, hey, go back and check uh, 15, 20 years ago and uh, put in the computer. Hey, I, I moved a million copies or uh, two million copies over here at your label. Yeah. So I need to talk to such and such. I need to talk to somebody who's running the show, not you. You know? Yeah. And, and so it's just not, it's not being rude, but it's being realistic because they don't know. And this industry, and I, I tell, right now I'm dealing with a lot of unsigned talent, which I extremely love that because they're hungry. And they're humble, like I was. And this is the fam my famous line I tell everybody, which, and everybody agrees to it. Anyone that's ever been in this industry, anyone from Michael Jackson, bless his heart, rest in peace, anybody, with the unsigned artists, we all share the same mother. And the mother, the mother's name was, we were all unsigned at one time. Yeah. So there's no big eyes a little used when it comes to unsigned talent. Because somebody has to find them. Somebody has to realize that because they gave me a chance, gave me an opportunity, mm. you know? And so I listen to artists. I listen to all of them. I, mean, I hear some bad music too, but I don't, if I hear a bad song from an artist, I don't tell them that all oh, the music is bad or this, this, this didn't work, that didn't work. What I would tell them to go back, rework the song, redo it, put it together again and bring it back to me again. Cause I've been blown away by it. I heard a song one time, about this is a few years back. It was horrible. Probably the most horrible thing I've ever heard in my life. I mean, it was like almost like cat scratch. <laughs> and I told him the same line, you know, polite. Told him, yeah. told him, go ahead and go back and retool it and all that. And I think I saw him about eight months later. And he played that song for me and blew me away. Blew me away. 
because I didn't tell them I didn't break their hearts. I didn't tell them that the song sounds bad or the production sounds bad. I would tell them to go back and rework it, work on everything, you know, work on your breathing, stuff like that. Yeah. You never want to damage anybody because this is a very mental business. Oh, no. Yeah. Very mental. I mean, for everybody, even for me, it's a mental business. You have to have your mentality in check. Yeah. If you don't have it in check, it can you can easily be broken. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a, it's about giving that constructive criticism, isn't it? Rather than being harsh about yeah. it, you know. Yeah. You know, it, yes. it is a tough industry, and like you say, it, it mm-hmm. can break you. And I mean, yeah. In fact, it, it mm-hmm. leads me on to as well, Victor. I mean, you've worked with many yeah. global acts. I mean, including Michael Jackson, Bobby yeah. Brown, Bobby Valentino, yeah. you too. I mean, the yeah. list goes on and on. <laughs> Joe Jackson, Babyface. The list mm-hmm. is so impressive. I mean, how did you actually get to work with Michael and even you too? Now, this is the funny part by Michael. Bless his heart, love him to death. This is what Michael does. And Michael is very intelligent about it. Michael grabs whatever producer is the hottest at that time. And this is how Teddy Riley, another mentor of mine, Teddy Riley, he grabbed Teddy Riley up when Teddy Riley was doing New Jack Swing, which we was all doing. We was all emulating Teddy Riley, too. He grabbed Teddy Riley up back in the 90s, I think 90, 91, and did that Dangerous album, the whole album. You know, I think they gave him 20 million, Teddy Riley 20 million to do the album. Did the whole album. And so what Michael was doing at the time, he said, "Okay, I'm ready to do something else with the ladies he had. Brownstone. He said, I want to do something, but I want the hottest producer at the time. I didn't, you know, Babyface had been around Michael. I had never met Michael. I had heard stories about Michael, but I've never met Michael. And I got my assistant. (laughs) I was coming in from from, uh, doing some work. I forgot who I was working with someone. And I came in and my assistant said, well, you got a call from a. Michael Jackson's representative. I said, Chase, I don't have time for all these games right now. I'm tired. <laughs> she said, okay. He said, okay, when they call back, I'm going to tell him that Victor said he doesn't have time for all these games. He's tired. <laughs> <laughs> and so I looked at her because she plays her. I looked at her and she had a look on her face. I said, for real? She said, yeah, here got a number right here. And I called him. I called him, talked to the, to the representative. And he said, Michael was wanting you, um, Robin Thicke, uh, Gerald, your partner, Gerald, at the time, Gerald, and Rodney Jerkins. He wanted you guys to kind of get together and try to work with him on some music. I didn't get a chance to say yes. I said, where do I need to be at? <laughs> <laughs> and so we just happened to get with him, and it was just probably one of the most enlightening times that I've ever been in, you know. And, yeah. and he's the type of person that when you're dealing with Michael, he wants you around him. You know, he wants you around him all the time. And if you got something else going on, no, he's he's gonna pay you double. He's not gonna you're not gonna be doing another project and doing his project. You're just not gonna do that. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. I mean he would you're not gonna do that. You you're not gonna be doing you got any cut co- any kind of uh outstanding things going on, you gonna you gotta call him a counselor. He wants you like focused, yeah. You're exclusive to Mike. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. And and he wants you focused and we spent Oh man, weeks and weeks and weeks together. I mean, we slept over his house a lot of times, yeah. you know, and it was so funny. <laughs> it's old Robin. What's the funny thing of, of it is my, my father recipes. I'm going to give you guys some laugh about my father. That's my father, my late father. He would use me all the time to catch girls. He was, my son does this. My son does it. My son does it. So, and I called him when I was at Michael Jackson's house. I called him. It was late at night. I called him and he had some lady over there with him. And she said something, he said, shut up. 
Don't talk to me right now. My son's trapped in Michael Jackson's house. I said, stop telling people that. <laughs> I said, don't tell them I'm trapped in Michael Jackson's house. <laughs> but he wanted that girl to know that I'm over. His son is over at Michael Jackson's house. Yeah. And shut up. I'm talking to him right now. <laughs> That's cool. <laughs> but, but, yeah, it was just so. And then Robin Thicke did the same thing. We was in real late night. He was talking to some girl on the phone. And she was like, I guess she said, I'm in Michael Jackson's house. And I guess she goes, I can't, I'm in my, I said, shut up, man, for everybody hear you, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you, you really look upon that as really funly as well, Victor. Yeah. Man, and like, and like we had deep conversations and I learned so much about him, mm. how, how normal he, normal, really normal he is. And, you know, about certain type of women he like and certain type of things he like. I learned how much Popeye's chicken he liked to eat. Boy, he loved to eat Popeye's chicken. Because he kept bringing it. <laughs> and so he's just a great, great person, but he's down to earth. He was so down to earth. It was just, it was just, I mean, I never thought I would even, I danced to his music, grew up on his music. Not once did I ever thought I'd meet him, you know? I mean, I, I figured I might because Babyface was so close to him, I was so close to Babyface. But I never thought I'd get a chance to meet him and actually work with him. And I was nervous. I mean, I think everybody was kind of nervous at first until I was playing one song called Baby Love by by Brownstone. If you have a chance to listen to it on YouTube, it's called Baby Love. Yeah. And and this it's, and I'm playing these keyboards and I'm hitting this keyboard so hard playing. And we was listening to it back in the studio. And my partner Jure hit me on the show. He said, Hey, 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 Vicky, he look. He said, Michael Jackson dancing right now to your music. Listen, look at it. Look at it. <laughs> wow. And that was the most you couldn't you, you can't you, that's that's it. You know what I mean? That was yeah. that's all that was all the satisfaction I need. Michael Jackson danced to my music. Amazing. You know? Wow. <laughs> yeah, amazing. I mean he was one of a kind. Amazing. Yeah. I mean Just, yeah. yes. I think I said to you yeah. before, Victor, in one of our one of our conversations, I am um, lucky enough to see Michael perform at Wembley Stadium when he did um yeah. one of his I think it was his thriller tour and mm. um, went out with a buddy of mine, we slept in the car overnight and we went back to uh -huh. the night and Michael kept you waiting for about an hour and a half, but to this day it's still probably the best show I've ever seen. And I was really glad I went because I wasn't going to go. And I'm really glad. And I saw him perform live and he was amazing. Absolute. And it's mm -hmm. when he had Cheryl Crow mm -hmm. as backing singer. Yes, it was when Cheryl Crow was yeah, playing with him. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. I mean, it's it's just, it's fantastic. And working with Babyface, I love him to death. Working with Babyface, working with Charlie Wilson. Charlie Wilson, he just taught me so much. But he also taught me how to be resilient in this industry. And to be able to last in this industry, so so the babyface, and because they told me, they said, "Now you want to be, we can hook you up, babyface. We hook you up to where you want to be on videos. We can have you singing and doing everything you want to do." He said, "But you be you'll be lucky to get four or five years out of this industry." He said, "But the way you are and the way you like to construct things," he said, "Get behind the scenes." He said, "And you'll last a long time in this industry. Make another artist look good." And then Quincy Jones, bless his heart, Quincy Jones told me, he said, never, ever show up on an artist's video, ever. I've been, every artist I've ever went, come on, you want to be, a, no, 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 no. He said, because your job is to prop them up and make them look good. And then they're going to ask, the people in the industry are going to ask, who did that music? Who did this? Who did that? We want to talk to that guy or that lady. That's who we want to talk to. And so, but don't upstage and act. I've been in their video and Puffy, I love you to death. No Puffy good. Didn't didn't mean that, but Puffy, because Puffy, that was his thing. I mean, he liked it because Puffy's an awesome artist too, which I am too. I also sing background a lot of artists' songs that I do for him. Because I wrote the song, I wanted, I wanted the background to be right, so I used to do it myself. Yeah. But 
I never, never, ever, never, ever put myself in a video of an artist. You know, I mean, it's very few people who even know how I look, <laughs> you know, for people to know me in the industry. But, but still, I mean, it's a good thing, too. It's a yeah, good thing. Yeah. And I mean, yeah. I think as well, with all that work you've done as well, Victor, another thing we wanted to ask you is, I, we understand you remix some tracks for Diana Ross. How did that come about? Uh, through Michael. <laughs> ah, wow. Cool. Michael, yeah, through Michael. Recommendation. Yeah. Wow. Yes. Yes. And she was she was so such a blessing. She was, you know, she was she's just hot sweetheart. I mean, these are people that I never thought, you know, that I would ever in my life even get the chance to meet, you know. And and in meeting her and talking to her mm. and sitting in her house and eating at her house. <laughs> but it's just a pleasure. These people that you would think a lot of people you think are sitting around with a lot of money and, and arrogant and, and all this stuff. No, they're just not. They're not. They're very humble people because they're, they came from humble beginnings. Like, well, I came from humble beginnings. When you come from humbleness beginnings and you, you know, become successful, don't ever forget where you came from yeah. because one or two moves, I don't care if you got two, 300 million dollars, one or two moves, you back, you back again, like a bum walking down the track. With a little knapsack over your back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I, you know, and I yeah. think um, two moves, a two wrong moves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Two wrong moves yeah. over with. Two hundred million gone. Yep. <laughs> yeah, it's important to keep grounded, isn't yeah. it? And just stay yes. true to who yeah. you are, definitely. Yeah, but but see, I tell them, I, I tell artists, you know, a lot of young artists I'm dealing with, like I was told, it's a thin line, very thin line, in this industry, between being confident and arrogant. Yeah. Very thin. I'm talking about it's, 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 it's as thin as, as dental floss. Because once you become arrogant, which a lot of acts, I don't want to mention no names, a lot of acts I've worked with was very successful. Some of them were. And they became arrogant. And once you become arrogant, you go from selling out 50,000 seat arenas to where I can't get you in a high school to, with 200 students. Yeah. And, and you sold 20 million copies. Because once this industry is very, very, very unforgiving. Sometimes, yeah. It, it, the, the feelings, this industry feelings get hurt. It's like a big old. This industry like a big old heart. Yeah, yeah. Once the feelings get hurt in the industry, sometimes they shun you off. They, you know, you very rarely get second chance. Yeah. You know, and my brother Charlie Wilson, my, my, like like a father figure, he got a second chance in the industry. You know, and, and this is nothing. I'm not. You know, I usually don't talk about an artist unless it's something that he released publicly. I mean, he's got a best selling book about it, and he went through the throes of drug addiction. I mean, the throes of drug addiction where he was living on the streets in Los Angeles. We didn't know where he was, you know? Mm-hmm. And he was living on the streets in Los Angeles on Skid Row Alley. I mean, he had everything he had was in a shopping cart. And he was hiding from people. Everybody was trying to find him, you know? And he was, I didn't know he was down there, but my relatives, some of his relatives, you know, from Tulsa, because me and Charlie Wilson both from Tulsa, Oklahoma. We're from the same hometown. And we were looking for him. People were looking for him and he was hiding. Mm-hmm. And when he finally got, when we found him, he didn't have a, he didn't have nothing. He was living with the bombs on Skid Row. I mean, his hair was crazy. He was, you know, and he got into rehab and his lovely wife, you know, mm-hmm. she was the rehab director at the time. Didn't know who he was. Didn't know he was an ex-famous singing celebrity. And she didn't know none of that. She didn't care. She was just trying to get him well. And when she got him well, they ended up getting together. And long story short is that the industry was hurt behind Charlie Wilson. They had six albums from the guy band, six albums, they sold a combined 15 million copies. So he was a, he could sell records. Yeah. But when, when they think that you're a drug addict, you're not 
trustworthy, they don't want to deal with you. And and Snoop Dogg, another good friend of mine, Snoop Dogg said, I grew up listening to your music. Can you just sing the hook on some of my songs? And he, he started doing that, and this just took notice. Oh, my God, he's back. So he's back, and he's made more money than he's ever made in his career right now. You know, and, and so, you know, you that's very rare. You don't get a second chance in this industry once you hurt his feelings. You know, once you hurt the industry's feelings, they don't like giving you a second chance anymore. No, no. And so I tell us, yeah, you got to be straight up with the industry. I mean, it's nothing wrong with going through a phase. I think we all went through a phase in this industry. If you was in this industry, as long as I've been in this industry, I've been through a little bit of everything in this industry. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and yeah, I've been through a little bit of everything. Seriously, everything. There's not too many things you can mention that I haven't been through in this industry. But I learned if I want to stay in this industry, I have to keep myself focused. You know, yeah. and, and I got to stay hungry too. Not just the artists, I have to stay hungry. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, you've had, you know, but being mentored by the likes, you know, of Babyface and like you say, the, the relationship that you actually had with, you know, Charlie Wilson. I mean, that's, it's probably been quite a great influence, you know, um, it, on your career, I would imagine. Yes. Yes. And, and they, and they got me, you know, I was kind of rambunctious when I first got into the industry. I mean, I, I'm, I'm a country boy from Oklahoma, you know, Tulsa, Oklahoma country boy. I, I'm up here in Los Angeles. I'm running around LA. I'm spending money. I'm doing things, buying stuff that I don't need. Yeah. Hanging out with people, that, that, hanging out with people. You don't some, need, yeah. <laughs> un, hanging out with some undesirables that I should have been hanging out with. Yeah. But, you know, and, and I'm lucky not to be under the jailhouse. And, you know, a lot of things happen, you know, going through things. You know, I got into a place where I got shot at before, you know, and then baby feels like, hey, man, you don't, what are you, you should even be in a position where somebody's shooting anything around you unless you're there, honey. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, you know, it's scary. You know, yeah. And so th- those things happen, those things happen when you put yourself in precarious situations, you know, you have no business there. You look mm-hmm. up and your car is the nicest car in the whole neighborhood. What are you in that area for? Exactly. What in the area for? What you know? What are you in that area for? And this, I'm not talking about no black or white. I'm talking about in that certain area. I've been in places where I had no business being in that place, and I was lucky to get out of that place. You know, I was in places where I'm like, they like, you got your jury on, you got your money. What are you doing? What are you doing? And so I learned. You know, I learned through bumping my head, and I try to tell these young, some of these young artists I'm dealing with. You know that they're going to hear a lot of no's in this industry too, but but when you, if you do become successful in this industry, you have to pick and choose who you're going to be around. Mm-hmm. You have to. Absolutely. Yeah. <clears throat> Absolutely. Yeah. And I think I think that sort of um, resonates with me as well, Victor, because I think you know when you're successful, you get all sorts of people that hang on and want to know not you and be your best friend yeah. and suddenly they want to have dinner mm. and then yes. suddenly you're not selling any records they don't want to know and you think well they don't want to know you not right it's not right it's just it's just mm. very fickle and i think a lot of young bands they have to go through the hard knocks to understand why they're there but unfortunately the industry like you've quite rightly said is unforgiving and mm. very rarely do you get a second chance unforgiving unforgiving yeah once yeah. once you break his heart it's unforgiving you know you can get your girlfriend back or you can get your boyfriend back sometime when you break when sometimes you break the heart of the industry's heart, sometimes it's hard to get it back. No matter how much begging and pleading you do. <laughs> and, and as we know, Hollywood can be fickle as well. Sometimes Hollywood can throw you out, and then sometimes Hollywood can say, "We want you back," but mm. we're we're just trying to play the game like everyone, Victor. And it's difficult. It's very yes. difficult. Yes, 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 yeah. for sure. It, it's very difficult. And see, like I mean, I, I've been blessed, you know. And I tell these these young artists I'm dealing with, you know, like. 
uh, Wendy, Halo, like Chesney Herbert, like Kim. Well, she's trying to, Kim Herbert is the mother. She's trying to be a, a manager and I'm trying to help her. You know, I'm giving her advice on it. And I work with some of these, you know, some of these unsigned people and I love their energy. I mean, the energy, because the same energy I had, you want to make it so bad, but mm. you have to have some kind of thing that this industry wants because it's a using industry. If I take to a label, if they're looking for a pop person, I can't take an R&B person over there. They're, not gonna, they're gonna say, it sounds good, but Victor, we're looking for pop. And I tell artists, just because they may say no, it may be because they already had someone at that time. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That fits you. That fits some of what you got going on. Don't take it personal. Yeah, don't don't take it personal. Don't take it personal. And, and it's just, it's so, it's so finicky. I mean, the labels are so finicky. But now, if you know what you're doing, you don't have to be with major labels anymore. If you know what you're doing, it's all about getting the people to recognize you. Even on those streaming platforms, you don't make a lot. You're not going to make no money. But if you're getting all these streams and you got your Instagram, you got this, and which I don't have, <laughs> but you have all that going for you, then you're going to create a following. And then once you create such a following that the industry flips over and they go to chasing you. I've seen it happen many times. And you get them in bidding wars. You get them in bidding wars. Once you get them in bidding wars, all of a sudden you look up and you look up, you got four or five million dollars, three or four million dollars. You haven't sung one note on the label yet. Yeah. And also as well, Victor, looking um, you know, the stuff that you've done, looking at the unsigned stuff, and also looking at, you know, you've been nominated for Grammy and obviously several platinum records. Which artists were these for, Victor? And yeah. Do you know how many records you sold today? Have you got sort of some idea on that? Oh my goodness! <laughs> uh, boy, I gotta put everybody. That's a good one. Now you got me on that one. Oh my goodness! You stumped I'll <laughs> probably say in excess of yeah, probably in excess of twenty-five million, something like wow. that. Wow! Combined, I mean, with all the artists, you go up, it maybe a little less than that, maybe a little. I don't, I'm just saying, I'll just say roughly around twenty-five million. But the artists that I've uh, got nominated for were. Casey and Jojo, which I love them to yeah, death. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Casey yeah. and Jojo, all yeah. my life, you know, I was part of the production team of that, and um, it was just, it was just a great thing, you know. These guys are coming from Jodeci, which is a band, and with Devonte Swing, good friend of mine, Devonte Swing, and and some, we just all sat around, we, we sat around, we got together, and we just plotted out what we we're going to try to do, and we attacked the industry, mm-hmm. and and those are my brothers, and I love them to death, and and just you know they had to stay humble. You know, we have to stay grounded. You have to stay humble in this business because there's no reason really that they shouldn't still be on top. And yeah. also as well, Vic, so with, you know, if you're saying, you know, it's a rough idea, but, you know, 25 million records. If you look at those 25 million records that you've created, you've helped, you've people they've a lot of pleasure from, mm-hmm. that, you know, they're in the car, they're listening to on the radio, they're with their buddies, listen to the, to the tunes. That's where it annoys me, uh-huh. Becky, where you should still be getting the revenue coming back from the royalties and the stream. And that's where the, the, the platforms really get annoying because you've created some great opportunities. Yes. People. And yes. Would you say that those record majority of those records you sold were, were back in the nineties at MCA and RCA, or would you say that's collective over time? Collective over yeah. time, but most of it, the, the, the bulk of it. Oh yes. Yes. was yes. Back in the hot nineties. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Back in the hot nineties. Yeah. I mean, hell I couldn't go wrong. I mean, I mean, every, I can go to sleep and wake up and something happens and I step on the floor, it's platinum, something happens, you know what <laughs> I mean? So, yeah, and then, and then I had to do the same thing. I tell myself the same thing, you know, be confident, not arrogant. Yeah. You know, because it looked like everything you turn around, everything you did was something was coming up gold. And, and if you get to where you lose that sometime or you have a drought where you're not getting the stuff that you used to get, you can't 
take that upon yourself and say, maybe I'm doing something wrong. Mm. The industry changes like the weather. Yeah. You know, and, and, and you can be a hot artist today and you can have the best album come out again two years later and no one buys it. You know, the industry is just finical. I mean, it's a, it's a finicky. I mean, you don't know what's going on from one end to the next end. And I tell all the artists I deal with, if you're going to be an artist, if I'm dealing with you, then I don't want to deal with you. I want you to be an entertainer. And, and, and an entertainer, I want you to be able to dance. If you can't act, take some acting classes. Grab a newspaper, stand in front of the mirror, start reading. Because what happens is once you may get hot on your record thing, the first thing you want to do is you want to do a part in the movie, you want to do a commercial, you want to do this. And you can't do that, then you have nothing to lean back on in case the music gets slow. Yeah. If music gets slow, then you can still go to acting. Same, like good, another good friend of mine, uh, Jamie Foxx. Everybody, you know, Jamie Foxx was a music, went to, like I did, on a music scholarship. And when he started doing, you know, comedy on the side, it became his thing. Okay, this is kind of cool. Mm-hmm. He did $20 million movie. Then once he started singing, the first thing he said, he can sing? Yes, he can sing. That's what he went to school yeah. for. So it's that sort of triple threat. Yes. You have to be able to do more than one thing. Because if you get caught doing one thing, then that's where you're going to be stuck at. Yeah. And if I want I want to be an actress, I want to be an actor, actresses, whatever. I want to be able to dance. I want to be able to write. I, I, I tell every artist, start writing your own stuff. Because this is where you get your money at. Because back in mm-hmm. the days, if you didn't write, as soon as they as soon as you pick up your album and buy they buy your album, you get paid for them picking up that album, buying it out. But you don't. When that when it's played on the radio, played on jukebox, played in the restaurants, I get paid for it because I wrote it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, and I, I tell them this. Listen, this this only way you're gonna make your, your money in your in your mark in the industry is to start writing your own stuff. Even if it sounds kind of crazy at first, but start writing it. Start writing it. And if someone else is is bring a song to you, and if you don't like it, try to make changes on it. You know, and if you make changes, you want some co writing You want some points for that. You know, it's a co-writing yeah. credits for that too now, sir, uh, ma'am. <laughs> exactly. And actually, that just brings me on to actually, I mean, how do you know, Victor, if a song is going to be a hit? Would you say there is a secret source to that process? I mean, what do you look for? Oh, what I usually look for in a song, because to me, to say that I know a song's going to be a hit or anyone knows a song, they're telling a the lie. Mm. They're lying. Yeah. They're lying. What I look mm-hmm. for is if it's something, especially if I had something to do with her, if it's something that I like and I would listen to in my car. If I would listen yeah. to it in my car and I like it, and I really, really like it, then I think it has a chance to be successful. I, th- I think it has a chance. Because the perfect example, Boys to Men, another good friend of mine, uh, Babyface was doing the soundtrack, which I ended up, was on that soundtrack too with Charlie Wilson and Aaron Hall called song called It's All Right. Great song. Go to YouTube. Great song. Yeah. But he was trying to fill out the rest of that soundtrack. He wrote a song. He said, okay, I know it'd be perfect to sing it. Boys to men. Called him, flew him in from Philadelphia, flew him in LA. I was in the studio when it happened. And they hated the song. They did it in two takes and burn rubber. They said, uh, they said it's the worst song they ever done in life. They hated it. Hated it. Hated it. Hated it. Hated it. Song ended up being end of the road yeah there you go <laughs> it ended up going 56 weeks billboard number one knocked off elvis presley which had been on there for 40 years wow. as consecutive number wow. they can't show up they can't show up anywhere without singing end of the road i don't care if it's the end of the night or the first of the night or they don't get booed off stage wow so 
So it's so many artists that does music, and their biggest hits is one of the ones they didn't even like when they recorded. Yeah, it's funny, isn't it? So you don't know. For anyone to say they know it's going to wow. be a hit, anybody there lying. They have you have you have a, you have a you have a feeling that it may be a hit. You have a feeling, okay, this is a good this is a good song. I think everybody will like it. But you hoping it would be a hit, but you don't know. Yeah. You don't know. So so the way I would do it is I put out if I'm if we're going to do an album with 13, 14 songs. I'm gonna do the best 13 we got. Yeah. We might record 60 songs, 70 songs to get 13 out of them to whittle them down. Yeah, yeah. To 13. Because I want every I don't want no B tracks. I don't want an A track and a B track. I want every one of your songs. To me, I feel like every one of your songs can be a potential yeah. single. Yeah, definitely. Oh, completely, completely. Yeah. And I think you've just sort of hit the nail on the head as well, Victor, because I think every song should be a single and every song shouldn't just be an album filler. Don't be on put up fillers. Don't put no fillers. No, no, no. Put fillers in. No way. You know, you, Definitely you, not. Yeah, that's right. And if you're and if mm. you're in your car, I've always, and again you've you've said a really interesting point. I think if you capture mm. someone in the car, so everyone used to go after the AR executives to get them in the car to play the CD, because if you get that three minutes in the car and it transcends into mm. the car, it transcend on radio, doesn't it? Yes, 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 yes. But that's what you know, that's what I usually do too. When we produce when we produce a song, get it all done and all remixed and stuff. Is I don't play it through the studio because it's gonna you're gonna you're gonna hear it really loud. It's gonna sound every. You get in the car. I usually put everybody in the car, put everybody in the car, and we'll drive around and I put it on then. Yeah. And and if it makes you groove like it was making you groove in the studio on the car, whether it's fast or slow, then we got something. Yeah. We got something. Yeah, definitely. I know what you mean. Actually, that my, yeah. when I worked with my my buddy um, Alan Glass, who's great songwriter yeah. and producer, and. Uh, one of the things, I think it's an old school thing, you know, he's um, goes back to the 80s and 90s with the success that he mm. had. And he always, right. when we write together, it's always, no, let's not play it through the actual speakers. Let's get it out in the car, yeah. put it on a seat. Get in the car. Yeah, and it does. And it and it just, it feels different. I mean, if it can transcend to that, it can basically transcend across multiple devices. Exactly. And if it works, yeah, it's good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it has to. I mean, if, if you can't hear it that way, because you're going to hear it, everything else is going to be so loud. It's going to sound so good. It's going to sound so perfect. You have to be able to listen to it. And then sometimes I put our earphones on, you know. Get, yep. Back in the days, we had Walkmans. We put it, look cassette on the Walkman. Put it on the Walkman and walk around. Yeah, yeah, the, so, the, yeah. the Sony Walkman, Victor, yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, see how, yeah, see how it sounds there, you know. See how it sounds there. But it's just, it's just, it's just a pleasure working with the, the some of the young characters I'm working with, you know. A good friend of mine is Josh, video director. He's out of Los Angeles. Directs video for Snoop Dogg. Uh, man, he works with Jimmy Jam, Terry Lewis, which I work with too. But he also works with Unsigned X. You know, I've had him work with a couple of Unsigned X. Uh, Chesney is another Unsigned act out of uh, Los Angeles, Alicia. And she is very good, like Chesney is very good. I brought I brought Chesney to my friend, Nick, Nick Preston. You know, he's a management guy out in uh, London. Where you at? Yeah. MPA. Yeah. And I brought he usually don't he usually doesn't sign unsigned acts, but he did it for me because I here's some of the acts. I don't get into the management thing anymore because you gotta be part of psychologists. And I went to college, but I didn't go for psychology. So psychologists <laughs> 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 when you're dealing with and I did it before. I've done management before, and I had a lady that it was it a major major star. I wouldn't mention the name, but her and her boyfriend broke up, and we were supposed to be in the studio record. And she just cried all day long. Mm, no, wow. <laughs> and I said, well, I don't know how we're going to get anything done because I didn't write a song that just had crying in it all day. No. <laughs> so, so I learned then that you have to be a psychologist. Part, you got to be part psychologist to be a manager. Yeah. 
And I, I commend anybody that does any management because you have to be there. They build, say, for instance, this artist needs something to eat at McDonald's. You got to go throw a burger down their throat because your job is to prep that artist up because you can't get paid till that artist get paid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm gonna make sure that you're in the best light. You know, I got if I got to get you up and help you brush your teeth, yeah. I'm gonna yeah, get you together. Yeah, no, no, yeah it's, no. a, it's a yeah. day-to-day yeah. job because I can't get paid till you get paid. Yeah, yeah I can't get paid. I, I can't get my twenty percent till you get yours. Yo, your 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 money. So my job is to prep you up. And that's yeah. It's too much for me. It's too much for me. So I leave it to people like Nick. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. And I think um, looking at looking at all that as well, Victor. And I just sort of changing tack yeah. a little bit, really, because I think this. It's going to be really interesting to get your take on this. I mean, obviously, you know, how we learned a little bit about the pandemic and obviously with yourself not being very well. So how, you know, how have you and your family coped, really? And also, the, another big question, how do you feel the election went? And did it make you angry? Were you frustrated, disappointed? And what's the future going to be like for the US now? How we, how you, mm. What are your thoughts about how the US is going to move forward? My thing is, is this, I'm not Democrat or Republican, I'm all for real, real things. I'm all for, don't look in my face and tell me a lie. Like my father said, don't, don't, don't piss down my back. I know it's one piss down my back, you know? And that's my thing. I, I can't, I, that's so despicable that a person will look in the camera and tell a bold-faced lie that, that you know it's a lie. I mean, you know it's a lie and everybody else knows it's a lie, but then you have people that will say, this is how he is. No, that's not how he is. A lie is a lie. The truth and a lie has never been friends, ever. Never been friends. Truth and lies, never been friends. And so when you can't tell the truth to, you talking about millions and millions of people, then you, you're very, you're dangerous. You're dangerous. I'd rather you tell me that gloom and doom is coming and let me prepare for it than say everything's all right and and, and gloom and doom come and you say I didn't want to panic you. What? I, you didn't let me get prepared. And so, yeah, I, I'm, I'm very elated. You know, I'm very elated that, that it happened like that. You know, and the United States is so much racial tension that I never saw. I grew up, you know, in the 70s and 80s and stuff like that. And, you know, it's always been, you know, racist, racist, never seen so bad like this. Never. And coming from the top, coming from, you know, coming from the top, stroking it. And so, yeah, it brought it brought it, it brought it all back. Yeah, I don't understand it because I think, you know, you and I and Becky, we're living yeah. in the 21st century yeah. the day. We're just all normal people. Just want to get on and do a job and just get and on their lives. Really, it, listen. It doesn't yeah. make listen. The bottom line is, it don't care what color you are. If you get the job done. You get the job done. You get the job done. Yeah. You know. And then I met people in my life who are the same color I am, who are no good. And I met people who are different color who are no good. To me, when you're no good, no matter what color you are. I'm going to know you're no good. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> We're all human at the end of the day. Yeah, I'm going to know you're no good. So I don't care about, yeah, I don't care about what 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 what, what nationality you came from. We all come to the same thing. You cut me, I'm going to bleed like you're going to bleed. Yeah. You know, so I give every, I give everybody a chance. I've always been that way. I, I mean, I've always been that way. I've always had friends of, of all different nationalities, religions, and all that stuff. Yeah. I, if you're my friend, you're my friend. Yeah. You know, I got love for you. I got love for you. I'm not going to weigh it out like that. You know, and I think United States, I think we've we got a good guy. If you listen to what, what Biden's been saying, you know, he's not in there popping his collar. He's not in there strutting around to my I won, strutting around to my, yeah, we're going to get you, Trump, you're going to prison. No, he's not doing that. He's talking about healing. He's talking about this pandemic. That's the most important thing to talk about. He's talking about, hey, man, let's all get together. That's not, you know, we're not the enemies. No one's not the enemy. The Republicans are not enemies. Democrats, you know, we can agree. Agree or disagree, but we're not enemies. We don't. I'm not going to talk about your mama, your daddy, your kids, and none of that stuff. Then you're making your enemy. 
you know? And so, yeah, it's, it's, it's a, we got a good person that's up there. We got a good person that's up there. We do. Yeah, so, so do you think it'll be a, a good, um, you know, not obviously, mm. you know, what we do is not about mm. politics, um, Victor, but I think what's happened with the world, the pandemic and the way that Britain's going through Brexit mm. and you've got a new president and the way the whole world is at the moment, it just seems it is a bit difficult. And I think the light at the end of the tunnel for yes. us is music. Yes. I think we can bring music to the masses yeah. and I think that can just heal everybody and just go, you know what? It's always going to be music. It's it's sad to say, you know, music, when a baby's born, they're happy. And what they do when they do your funeral, they're going to play a song. Yeah. (laughs) And it brings people together. It's what people relate to, don't they? And when somebody break up with you, you want to hear a sad song. You know, know, I'm just saying it it happens like that. It happens. It happens. Music, music going to be around and it's not, it's going to be around as long as mankind is on this planet. Seriously. It's going to be music. It's going to be music. Absolutely. I mean, I, when, when I um, uh, saw the Michael Jackson show, Victor, I tried for weeks to dance like him. Didn't happen. I was pretty good. I, I could when I was young. I, could. I mean, I could. <laughs> you got the moves. But, but yes. it was the, the buzz yes. from that show, it still lasts, it still mm-hmm. lasts with me today because I ne- you never forget it. And I think that's what, when you've got 80,000 people in a field or a stadium or you've got 200 people in a venue mm-hmm. or even 50 people, 10 people watching a band, you always have that common aim of people have gone to see that band or artist perform. And, all your troubles and all the crap that's in the world just seems to go away. Mm. Just goes away. Yes. Yeah. Yes, it does. And, so, and and this is what now this is I'm glad you said it. This is what I tell some of the some of the or some I'm working with, like uh, you know, uh Duvenation, which is a good group, Jennifer Benson and her band, and and uh Arthur Woodson, this guy's got a good management firm, Tamara, Anna Marie Bush, Antoinette, great rap, great lady rapper, you know what I'm saying? Lillian. Mm-hmm. And Brittany Leo, Kiki Dreams, Versatile, Valentina. These these are some of the artists that I'm working with. And I tell them all the time, your song should have structure, whether you're a rapper, whether you're anything. It should have a beginning, a middle, and an end. Yeah. You know? And if and if it doesn't, if it doesn't, you're not doing justice to the listener. You should be able to close your eyes and listen to a song yeah. and be transparent transported yeah. to what's going on. You should be, if the guy's talking about in a car, lay somebody in the car driving and, and the breeze going through, you should be able to, you should be able to, you should be able to be on the passenger side. With yeah. It. Take you on a journey. That's right. If you can't take them on that journey, then you're defrauding the listener. And, and a lot of these music is making money right now. If you listen to it, no structure, no nothing, but I can't knock because it's not what I like. It's what the public is buying. But still, you know, as I'm trying to help, I'm going to give them what I learned. I'm going to tell them, regardless of how the old stuff was, have some structure. Have some structure in your music. Have a meaning to your song. Yes. I don't care if it's a mad song, a sad song, or what. Have some meaning to it. Have meaning to it. If you don't have meaning to that song, then you're defrauding the person. You're defrauding the next person. And then after a while, people will say, I like listening to her. I like listening to Antoinette. I like listening to Alicia. I like listening to Andy, which is Hispanic rap I got. I like listening to Brittany Leo from Australia because these people write songs that have meaning and have structure. Yeah. And that's the main thing with me. Yeah, yeah. That's the main thing with me. I swear that's the main thing with me. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, what resources 
would you say have helped you the most on navigating your way through the music industry, Victor? You know, did you, you know, for example, did you have a part-time job alongside, you know, the music or, you know, what's really helped you along the way? Yes, I had a part-time job when I first started. You know, when I first started this business, yes, we all had to work, we all had to struggle. And, and when you start selling, selling music, it was pretty good. But since then, I really devoted myself to this music. Mm-hmm. You know, I did a little investment for us with a tax liens and stuff like that to keep money flowing. Yeah. But the biggest thing about this industry is that I like just working with, with people. I like working with, with, with unsigned talent, I like working with signed talent, but unsigned mostly. And I don't charge these artists not a dime. I don't charge them a dime until they make money. We make money, then we make a we'll make agreement on something. Yeah. You know, and it's usually ten percent, something like you know, because an artist, a starving artist is exactly what it means. Starving artists. You know, they don't have any money. Yeah. You know, these people, all they got, like I did, all they got is their hope and dreams, a guitar, a keyboard or whatever else they got, and three or four songs that they put their heart and soul into. Yeah. They can't even buy, some of them can't even buy nothing to eat. You know, and so, and when I see these people in the industry sometimes, these so-called sharks, some of them on LinkedIn, we're around talking about, give me $10, $15 for every time you submit a song, and I'll make sure people at Atlantic Records hear it. It's, it's trash, you're lying. Mm. I wish I could choke them all out. Because it's a lot. Yeah. You know, don't anybody listen to this podcast, any reputable, any reputable person in the industry will listen to their music for free. Because if I hear it and like it, I'm going to shoot it to my source who might shoot it to a record label and a record label like it and everybody start making deals. Then, hey, I'm going to make some money in the end. Absolutely. But for us telling you to give me, give me, now, if you're going to, if you have to go in and do your own production or go in and pay for a remix, that's different. That's different. But paying to have someone listen to your song, don't ever do it. If anybody ever say anything to you, you better take off running. If you're hitting with a billy club, take off the other way. You know what I'm saying? Because mm-hmm. they they try to beat you. They try to they try to take everything you got. And it's so sad because this industry is not regulated. It's not regulated. It's not, it's not, the, it's not the NFL. It's not a soccer league. You know, where you got rules and regulations. Yeah. You know, anybody can make themselves say anything. And they can steal logos. They can steal logos from Atlantic Records, Motown, whatever, and put it on, use somebody's name, and then ask you for everything you got. And I've seen it happen so many times to so many artists. And I just tell them, I said, no, if A&R people, me, you, Peter, all A&R people won't listen to whatever you got. And if it's something feasible to us that we think in the long run that it might be profitable for everybody involved, we're going to deal with it. We're yeah. going to deal with it. But I'm not going to tell you, hey, uh, give me $10,000. I'm I'm going to shoot this to Peter. Or, or Peter said, give me $10,000, I'm going to shoot this to Victor. Stop mm. it. No. Stop yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. No, and, I, 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 right. and I think as well, Victor, that, you know, that's a really, you know, a really good point. And it sort of leads me on to really saying, and I think you've highlighted it really well, but I'm going to ask it, what are the negatives and the positives of the industry? You know, and the music that's industry, it. I mean, that's a that's, big negative. That's, that's the big negative. The big negative and the, and, the, and the positive of the industry, and this is not tooting my own horn or nothing, or to the, it's that you got people in the industry that's reputable, like me, Babyface, you, you know, Becky, you got people in the industry who really love this. You know, I would do it free. I would do it free. And this is why I tell artists, do it for free. Not that I'm going to do it for free, but do it for free. If you, you got to love this industry enough to do what you would do it on the street corner with no one else listening. And that you would perform, I tell artists this too. If two people are an artist, you give the same performance if you give them 20000 Yeah. Period. That's when I know you real about this industry. But yeah, that's the most negative part about the industry to me is that how 
they take advantage. And listen, some of these sharks, as I talk about, because this is it's, the industry is like an ocean, you know, and you got to swim from one channel to the other side. Mm-hmm. And it's shark infested waters. Shark infested waters. Now, I'm, I'm going to try to take you through there and navigate you through there, through the shark, because I know when I can see the shark. You, you can't see them. Their fins don't come up. They're underwater. I can see them. You can't. I know them. Mm-hmm. And some of these sharks, some of these sharks, uh, industries, I'm on my industry people. I'm talking about 60, 70, 100 million dollar people riding around Rolls Royces. Sharks. Yeah. And I ain't talking about trying to take your money. I'm talking about trying to take your soul. Not mm-hmm. your money, your soul. I've seen a lot of young, young men, but mostly young women, fall prey to this industry. You know, they tell them, oh, you can sing so good and everything else. And they're just looking at how pretty they are and looking at what they can get out of this woman. Mm-hmm. what they can get out of this artist, you know, and, and it's nothing beneficial for them, for the artist. You look up in the long run, they back to waiting tables again. And they mad because they trusted in the person that they, that they had a position within this industry. And these are people I'm more upset about. Anytime you're within this industry, you're really supposed to be reputable and you really represent this industry to the fullest and you take advantage of people, then I'm very highly upset at you. And I always warn people about you. Yeah, I warn about you, but I tell them you got to be ready for them because it's coming, you know. But it's 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 the industry that is based on looks. I love talent. I love talent. Talent is the first thing I look for in, in an act. And if an act happen to be marketable, what I call marketable beauty, marketable, tell male male or female, I say okay, you, you marketable too. Yeah, we can market you, you know. But and it's so funny saying I take a pig with a wig if, they, if the pig can sing. <laughs> you know, so do you, so do you, I'll be the first person to spark in the pig with a wig, but the pig can sing. <laughs> with all your um, with all your experience, Victor, do you think? I suppose another sort of another interesting point question, really. So, do you think it's time now for the indie sector to to take charge of the industry and say, look, because of the technology that's out there, they can set up a label quite effectively. It doesn't cost them thousands of dollars like it did back in the day. Yeah. Do you think it's more yes. structured for them today and, and they're able to do more as an indie, indie act? Yes. And this is what artists need to, when, when it comes to contract negotiations too, with some labels, even some some uh, smaller labels too, is that it doesn't cost a lot of money like it used to when I when I was coming in. I mean, the average act for, for a label, they say it, didn't, it, it wasn't really cost that much, but they would say between 800000 and $1 million to put out a new artist. That's, that's how they, that's how that's how we get you in the red, you know. You know, production, the videos, the marketing, and all that stuff. You don't have to do all that that much no more because you have nothing but streaming now. Everything is single based, so you would rather have two or three songs, or four or five songs, and they make a lot of money, and then you owe the record, record label for a whole fourteen or fifteen songs that you had to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's single based, and, and this industry, is, and which is good. It's good for artists. It's good for the label, really, but it's good for artists to get known out there. And then if they get really, really popular, they can start touring and stuff like that, which I hope is coming up pretty soon. Mm. Uh, and that's 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 the big part about it, because it takes away a lot of the big industries from charging so much to these artists for bringing them out. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, you know, obviously with your extensive background, Victor, I mean, you've been given some amazing advice and, uh, you know, it brings me on to, what what one piece of advice would you give to people wanting to pursue a career as a music artist or even becoming a producer? What advice would you give today? Never give up. If you truly believe in it. If you truly believe in it, that don't mean you got to quit your day job. But if you truly believe in this 
and you're working a job or you got a family, you truly believe in it, you'll take time off. You, you know, you take care of everything else. You got to take care of all your priorities first. And you'll take your time, all the time you got extra to yes. produce your own stuff, to do your own stuff, to perfect your craft, to perfect it. You got to practice every day. You have to write every day. You have to practice your singing every day. Because if you don't do that, trust me, the guy now down the street you never knew can sing is doing the same thing. And yes. all the girls, lady down the street, they'll run past you in this industry. And this is the most important thing that I want anybody to notice. Is this industry is no first, then yes. Because every every act that you can think of, I'm talking about from Michael Jackson, from, from Garth Brooks, good, Garth Brooks from Tulsa. I mean, he's smoking on right, right side of Tulsa. But they were denied. Garth Brooks denied by everybody. I mean, Capitol denied him twice. Now he's he built Capitol up. I mean, he's 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 worth a half a billion dollars, and Capitol is just smiling and happy, you know. But everybody has been denied, mm-hmm. and if you can't denial, this is not the industry for you. Yeah, because it's gonna be no. No matter how good you sound, from right, it's gonna be no first. Mm-hmm. You got you got to take the no personal. You take the no personal, you're not gonna make it. This is not gonna be for you. If you know for a fact at the gate. I'm going to hear more no's than I hear yes, then you'll be able to navigate. And then sometimes you get lucky. Sometime out the gate, the first time out the gate is yes. It happens. Yeah, I know. Yeah, There's a lot of artists, you know, like that. Like you said, you're totally on point with that. I mean, we, we actually watched, I don't know whether you saw it, Victor, but I'm familiar with like Netflix. Yeah. And there's a great documentary on there with Garth Brooks. And it actually gives mm-hmm. his background. It was a really, really yeah. interesting to actually, if anybody's interested, mm-hmm. go and check it out because it's so, there's some really valuable information in there about his whole journey. Like yeah. you say, he just got rejected. Yeah. You know, he went to Nashville and he just couldn't cope with it and he got turned away. And then, you know, in yeah. the end, he kept pursuing. Told him he was kind of chubby. You kind of chubby. You won't make it an artist. You don't look that good. No, I mean, I'm, I yeah. mean, he heard all of it. He heard all of it. Yeah. But he never gave up. He, he knew, back to what I was saying, he was confident, not arrogant. He was confident yeah. in his talent. You have to be confident. You have to know. And if you're not where you need to be, keep practicing. Sing, practice. Get vocal coach if you need to, you know, if you can afford yeah. it. You know, and a lot of stuff you don't have to afford. It. You can go on YouTube. A lot of stuff's on YouTube yes. free. Go on YouTube, put up voice, voice lessons, dance lessons, all that's on YouTube for free. That you ain't got to break your mama's pocket, your boyfriend's pocket, or your pockets. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. you can all that stuff. The game, the game is free yeah. on, on YouTube. Yeah. You can get everything. You can learn how to act. You got they got method acting courses on YouTube free. Yeah. Yeah, they do. <laughs> like even like the production. Yeah, you spend all day looking at that stuff, man. Till you get tired. Free. And also yeah. as well, Vic. So would you would you say that with all the I suppose with all those tools in in, in you know an artist's box now? Really, the artist should be taking back the power to say, well, if I'm going to be a great performer or I'm a great performer, a great songwriter, I've honed my craft as, as, a, as, a, as a live act. Really, then that artist should have the pick of the cherry where they go. They don't have to go and sign the big deal off the big off the, the big monster no, comes along. You're says, right. We're going to suck you up. And you're right. Bleed you dry and take your They don't have to do that anymore. They can pick and choose. And I think that's a, a really good mm. position to be in for an artist because, the, like you said, um, you know, I believe. Even the act like you too. I mean, you too got turned down many, many times. But yes. David Bowie got yeah. turned down many times. You know, yes. they all Coldplay, Coldplay yeah, another one. You know, 
You can't you can't name an act that hasn't been turned no. down. Name you, we we can go from here to tomorrow. Name an act, and you'll say turn down, turn down, turn down, turn down, and they all worth they all sold millions billions of copies combined right now. Well, it also well, Victor. Some of my friends used would say to me, you know, years ago, said, "Oh, we didn't realize Robin Thicke was an artist, or he was doing it because he came out with Pharrell Williams." I'm like. Yeah, but he was been doing yes. it for the past twenty five years. Another good friend of mine too. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, he's a very talented guy. I mean, I know his father. You know, I know his father, Alan. You know, and, and it was just, I mean, it's yeah. But you, but I agree with you on that. If you got enough going on, and and you don't have to. People want to run to those major labels all the time, and they're all about the bottom line. Sometimes you don't get you don't get. They're signed to a three album deal. Uses three album with which one in between. And a lot of times people don't make it to the next album. And you can get with an indie label or someone who really believes about you and go put some stuff behind you and know that the industry is kind of finicky sometimes and believe enough in you to where I'm not gonna I'm not gonna drop you on your head after the first disappointment. You know, and I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with you. And sticking with the person, you get that mostly from a lot of these industries. That may mean these independent labels. Mm-hmm. And I think I think also as well, Victor, if um if an indie label sticks with you and, and you've got, say, a roster of three or four acts and that indie works really hard and it breaks yes. Yes. breaks the act, then that act really should, if, if that act goes to move on to a major label, that act shouldn't forget where it's come from because that mm. act, you know, should then reflect the compensation back to the indie label. Say, so, look, if it wasn't for you, I wouldn't be where I am. And I think that should be a two-way process. Well, well listen, and this this is why I come here. You have to, this is where the humbleness comes in and the appreciation comes in because this is still a business. If I if I break you in, if I break you in and, you, and, and I've been riding with you all the time, and you go, I'm just say I was an industry guy. If I was had a, had an independent label, or something, and we sell ten million copies, and all of a sudden you want to go to uh, Universal. Okay, what we're gonna do is what you gonna do? The contract is gonna be structured anyway at the gate, even when you have nothing. I mean, you ain't got a dime. It's gonna straight out the gate. If you make XXX amount of money, then we're gonna renew that contract. I'm not gonna set you up and prep you up and get you all nice and pretty and you go out with the guy next door. Yeah, no, you're right. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to do that. No, no. I'm not going to do that. No. Um, that's a business too. This is a business too. I'm not going to do that. And it happens so much to, to independent labels or smaller labels that they bring these acts in and they invest a lot in them and they invest everything in them. And as soon as the second or third album, or they get really big, they look up, oh, shoot, we're going over here to this label. We're going off to a big label. No, no. We ain't, I ain't got to worry about you being loyal because that contract you signed is going to be loyal. It's going to be legally binding. <laughs> exactly. And at the end of that, that's yeah. exactly the way it should be. You got to protect yourself. You got to protect yourself and your interests. You have to. Yeah. It's, it's anybody, any artist, you better protect your interests too. Yeah. But the label, anybody you deal with, any kind of smart label are going to protect their interests too. You know, even if it's an independent yeah. label. Yeah. yeah. That's why they call it, it's music business. You know, it's, yes. that's what it yes. is. Listen, this is not about being fair. It's about making the bottom line. I care about you as a person. Exactly, exactly. Because it goes about who is bringing the bottom line. And I care about people. My thing is I care about people. I care about the human soul, human spirit first. This is why This is why I listen to a lot of these artists. This is why I try to help a lot of these artists. You know, I almost missed 16-year-old. I got a 16-year-old named Marissa. Really sing R&B guy J, another R&B guy T. And these people are just really, they really got my juices to flowing, you know? They really got my juices flowing. They really do. I, I, I love them. I, I, I love working with people. I love doing my best to try to help them because, you know, everybody's not going to make it, but everybody's going to at least have the opportunity to try to make it. Because I'm going to do, if I'm working with you, I'm going to do the best I can for you. The best I can for you. 
because it shows is it is because my name is on it. You know, I'm, I mean, I mean, as I say, I'm not arrogant, but I'm also confident. My name is on it. If my name is on it, then I'm going to, you know, we're not going to put, we're not going to have you represent nothing bad. No. No. Because they think I lost. People think I lost it. Then they think I'm losing exactly. my mind. Yeah. You've got to believe <laughs> yeah. fully in those artists that you work with. If you're putting your name, mm-hmm. it, you know, I, I you've do. got to fully believe. I truly Yeah. And I think that goes back as well mm-hmm. to what you said earlier, where, you know, you, you you picked up the phone to a label, and this lady didn't know really who you was, and I don't know who you are. She, she did yeah. a bit of research, and suddenly went, oh. And I think people assume yeah. too much in the world. They assume too much, and they suddenly think that they're mm-hmm. they're in a position of authority when they're not, because they really don't know anything. Right. They really don't know anything. And it's right. at the end of the day, it was back in the day with people like you, with people like Alan, that really sort of sort of made the industry to a point, really. And I think, to be honest with you, now I've got to say it. But the mm. last 20 years, probably the last 15 years, I'm not going to remember any music because most of it that's come out of, of the machine is really not that yeah, great. man. And it's making money. So, I mean, I, I don't like the artists. The artists are getting paid by VK Tour right now, but they, they got a nice little piece of change for it, and I yeah. don't mind it. I wouldn't play it in my car. A lot of it I wouldn't play in my car. If I don't, you know, that's just how I am. If I don't play it in my car, it, it doesn't mean nothing to me. I'm not going to play it. But it's what the, it's what the exactly. public buys. And if I can't make the music what the public buy, I'm going to go out and get a guy who knows how to make that music the public buy. Come <laughs> on over here. <laughs> so so let, let, let's, let's look at this point, actually, Victor. So you're, um, you're sitting down in your chair and yeah. you're aware of Harry Potter, right? So what I'm going to do now, I'm going to give you a bit of magic of Harry yeah. Potter. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to give you Harry Potter's wand, okay? So you're sitting in a chair, you've got your okay. wizard's hat on, and you've got your Harry Potter wand, yeah? yeah? <laughs> You're all comfortable. Yeah. You're yeah. all comfortable. You can change uh-huh. anything about the music industry. What would you do? If I could change one thing about the music yeah. business, yeah, I would change that they would have some kind of retirement plan, some kind of insurance plan. This is something I'm talking about from major labels and stuff to deal with some of the artists who, like I said, the woman didn't know who I was when I called. Some of these artists who sold so many copies so many millions of copies that has built up some of these record labels to where they got no shiny buildings to where they can take care of them. Like NFL does to their players, NBA does to their players, some soccer leagues do. That's what I would change more than anything else in the world. I would change to take care of those who came before you. Yeah. yeah. That, 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 That's you know, great. I, I, do you know what? Yeah. I've never, ever heard that before, Victor. And I, do you know what? I think that is, that's solid. Yeah. That's, that is solid. Yeah. That'd be doing, brilliant, yeah. wouldn't it? That's a bit I mean, like the person that's worked. That's what's with, needed. The government. Yeah, take care. Take care of the man who built that building that you sitting yeah, in. Get a the chair you sitting in. That building you sitting yeah. in. Take care of that man that sold all them copies that ain't doing no good right now. Think, or that lady. Yeah, I think that's great. Who's not doing any good right now? Absolutely. Yeah. So effectively, really, because of the the, the, mm. the majors, you know, partly live off their back catalog. Yes, they live off the trust me. They could afford, the back catalog. They exactly. could afford, yeah, could to to actually set aside, you know, quite a lot of dollars to actually. Put into a pension fund. Have, have a pension fund for these people to where they're not doing bad. Have a pension fund where they get a little money every month. Mm. You know, I mean, you, you, you got to be some multi-billionaire come. You can afford giving these people six, seven, six, six thousand dollars a month, taking care of the dental, you know, and stuff like the medical stuff, and take care of them because when they die, all you're going to do is put them in the, you, well, it's good. Then if uh, such and such died, he was a capital record, he sold such and such, such. Yeah, you get the publicity, that man's dead. And it's people trying to figure out how to bury him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's right. No, I agree, and I agree. And if you and you look at the legacy of some of the, you know, some of the, the big acts like you know, like Michael and Elvis, and yeah, to a point, their estates have got have, have got the funding, or does it go back to the label? Their estates got rich after they died. Uh, I, my perfect thing about Elvis Presley 
if they and when Elvis was 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 alive, when Elvis was doing this stuff in Vegas, they told Elvis, "Hey, this ain't the fifties, don't want Vegas." So they don't want to buy you getting fat. Nobody want to buy you nothing. He wouldn't have died broke because all he had was was Graceland. All his asset was only Graceland, which is only worth about at that time like three hundred million. I mean, 300,000, My fault. He wouldn't have died on a stool, drugged out, and then all of a sudden, Elvis been alive ever since. Elvis still alive. Elvis still alive. Elvis still alive. Mm-hmm. You know. You treat him when he was alive like that, he would still be here today. You know, a man died really a broken heart, depressed. That's why he kept taking on drugs. He was depressed. Nobody, you know, they was telling nobody, listen, you know, more you're old school, you old stuff. You, you, you has been you yesterday's yesterday's news, Elvis. Now Elvis is everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. sad. It's sad. You know, we, we only treat people, you know, you only raise people up when they die, when they did. Yeah. You know, you treat them, you treat them, you treat them decent, same way as Michael, my brother Michael. If they'd have treated Michael the way they're treating him now, he'd still be here. Mm. You know, he died more of a broken heart than mm. anything else. You know, he died of a broken heart. Never believe he was guilty of none of that stuff. He loved kids. He gave some, he gave so many children's hospitals that he never let be out in the public. It's made millions of dollars to children's hospitals and children's causes. You know, it's crazy. He died of a broken heart. And he never wanted to publicly for it. But people that know, they talk about it now. They talk about yeah. it now. But I mean, still. If you'd have treated him like that now, he'd still be here. He wouldn't have had problems sleeping at night. He wouldn't have been taking them drugs. He was taking that propofol, which I still think the doctor should have had a murder case because they tell me don't drink and drive. I go out and drink and drive. I got a murder case. You know profile is only for hospital. That's what, if you ever been to surgery, that's what they give you before you go to surgery. And it keeps you dead. It knocks you straight out. When they say, when they say you'll be asleep right about now, you out. Wow. Why would you have that? Why would you take that out of a hospital setting and do it mm-hmm. in Michael Jackson's house? I didn't understand that either. You know, so I think that should have been a murder mm-hmm. case. That's mine. It's always have in my opinion, you know, because you knew that drug was dangerous. You know, that drug can kill somebody and you was using on the person inside his home. It was crazy. Yeah, it was crazy. But yeah, that's, that's what I that's what I truly believe. I believe if if the industry would take care of those who came before them to help build it up. I like that. Yeah. I, I think that's a really yes. good, a really, really solid point, Vic, because I think you get the bright lights of Tinseltown and everyone thinks they're going to be a rock and roll star or sell millions mm. and millions of records. And then 99% of the time, mm. you know, they don't. I, I sort of sometimes say, you know, one of the stories that I had with a, a young punk band that were really good, actually. And yeah. they did a lot of touring and, you know, they were unsigned and they worked really hard. And then they had a bit of infighting. They all, you know, they had lots of arguments and bits and pieces. And then... They yeah. said to me one day, well, you know, we're, we're going to walk into William Morris and CAA and we're going to get one of the big agents. And I said, oh, good luck with that one. Mm-hmm. Um, they didn't listen to any yeah. advice, didn't say anything. And then, yeah. you know, cut a long story short, six months later, probably about a year later, actually, the lead singer phoned me up and I said, oh, how, um, how did you get on with your meeting at William Morris? Oh, well, we, we got turned <laughs> away from the reception. Oh, really? Right. And he said, I really didn't understand the business and now I do. And I said, mm-hmm. well, unfortunately you have to go through it to find out what it's all about. But the time you find out what it's all about is too late. And that's t- tends what's to happen. Yeah. And I think, you know, there's a lot of bugbears in the industry for me, but I think you just have to, you know, you're still here fighting. Yeah. Becky's still here fighting. I'm still mm, here yeah. fighting. Yeah. You just have to. Yeah. That's how it is. That's how it is. Yeah. I mean, it is just, it's been a pleasure. It's been a pleasure talking to you. It has It really been, it's been enlightening. It's been enlightening. <laughs> it's been great. So really, what's in store for you now, Victor, over the next year? Have you got any plans lined up? Well, yes. I'm just hoping to have some of these artists to, to, <laughs> to, to, contaminate, to contaminate the world with great music. That's a good point. Yeah. Contaminate, <laughs> the world. contaminate the world with great music. 
That's really cool. That's great. Yeah. That's a good way of putting it. Yeah. I like that. Yeah, that's my plans. Contaminate the world. I'm, I'm, we're coming. Yeah. <laughs> and, and you can't, and listen, and you can put a mask on. PPEs ain't going to help you with it. No, <laughs> no, no. no, 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 no. <laughs> but a good thing is, Victor, is that, you know, having this chat today and, you know, learning yeah. more about your career mm. and what you've done, you know, I still pick up and Becky's still picking up the fact that your energy is really, really, you know, you've been through the mm. pandemic, you've had COVID, you work yeah. with some, not just some, you've worked with probably some of the best artists ever on the planet, mm. and you're still wanting to put energy back into the unsigned community and, and the, in the indie community. And I, yeah. that's yes. cool. That's cool. Yes. You still hear your passion. Yeah, you can't, you can't forget where you came from. I don't forget where I came from, so I just I just put my heart and soul into it, you know. Put my heart and soul into it. I mean, I'm, I'm only, I'm, I can go one way, straight ahead, you know. I don't, I don't do no reverse. Go straight ahead. That's it. You don't know. You don't know what. You don't know when the next big thing is coming or when the next little thing. Because to me, if an artist does his 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 hardest and it doesn't pan out, long as he did his hardest or her hardest, then they can hold their head up. If they decide to do something else, they can hold their head up high and say, "I gave it everything I had." Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And if you can't say you gave it everything you had, then you cheated yourself. You you didn't cheat the industry. You cheated yourself. No, exactly. And I and I. Yeah, you can't. How how you gonna tell? How you gonna tell your kids? Well, mama or daddy did this and did that. I did my, and you you didn't do your all in all. Mm-hmm. You know, to me, music is like life. You know, I approach life the same way. Whatever I do in my life, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna do, if I play if I play a video game, I'm gonna give it my all. I play spades, I'm giving it my all. We play basketball, I'm comp- just, I'm competitive the same way on the basketball court. I'm gonna give it my all. Yeah, and then you sit down afterwards and go, I'm tired now. I want to have a cup of tea. <laughs> Put your feet yeah, up. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or a coffee or, or a beer yeah. actually yeah <laughs> yeah or, or something like that yeah, yeah, yeah. what's in store for you guys what y'all gonna do the rest of this rest of this afternoon <laughs> well we launched the podcast a little while ago and it's got more and more busy yeah yeah we're really yeah. pleased and we, and we wanted to sort of do it really victor to actually give something back to the community really Right. We've actually got the artist spotlight, which we've introduced, which we're going to be doing each month now. Okay. So we just really want to dedicate it to the independent sector. And and like you, like yourself, okay. you know, if you hear some great music, we want to hear it. And if we like it, we okay. want to play no it, you know, so. Uh, no problem. I'll do that. I'll do that. No problem. I've got several of them I can send to you. No problem. Yeah, yeah. Keep them coming. No problem. Also, as, as well, Victor, where can, you know, obviously, with the conversation we've had today, where can people connect with you? You've got a website, social media. LinkedIn is, LinkedIn is probably the best way you can connect with me. But if you just like, if you have artists have some music they want me to listen to, they can go to, they can just email it to me at uh, victimmerit at uh, yahoo.com. Okay. That's all they got to do. And, and and I'll listen to it. I'll listen to it and I'll give you my feedback on it. And I'm not going to be like the other one. I'm not going to charge you a dime. I'll listen to it. But I love good music. And if it's something I can probably help you with, I do the best I can for it. Maybe let you listen to it or somebody else listen to it. Becky listen to it. Anybody listen to it. If I think it's good. Yeah. If I feel it's good. If I feel it's good and it may have some potential to do something, I'll, I'll, I'm going to let people hear it without a doubt. That's I don't great. think you can argue with that. No. Really? That's fantastic. I don't think you can argue with yeah. that. I think yeah. really, I think, you know, just the last point from me, Victor, it's been an absolute yeah. pleasure for you to join us on the Entertainment Engines Day. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you and it's been absolute talking to it's been it's been a pleasure and the blessing is all mine i mean i'm blessed to be able to talk to you i mean I'm, and, and and if anybody hear anything that i'm saying that that's an artist that can use some of this stuff you'll use some of this stuff you'll say hey man i know you can't charge me for this you can't charge me for that i know i'm gonna hear more no's and i'm gonna hear yes 
If you remember those things, I think that will help you better as an artist. Yeah. Period. Yeah. Especially an artist coming up mm-hmm. in this industry. Everybody, you know, you you, you got A and R's everywhere. You got people saying A and R's. I don't know what A and R means. You know, and so you got to be you got to be skeptical. And you got to be careful who you deal with, and copyright everything when you write artists. Yeah. Please yeah. do that. Yeah. Copyright everything. Copyright everything because boy, people will take it from you in a heartbeat. Yeah, so true. Yeah, yeah. So no, I mean <laughs> it's it's really fantastic, Victor. You know, you've your background, and it's just been really, really fantastic to learn more about you and your career. It's really impressive, and I think all of our listeners, you know, out there, I think will really take the information, and it's really valuable. So, um, yeah, fantastic. Yeah, it was it was a pleasure talking to you guys. It just was. It was a real pleasure to speak with Victor on the show this week and learning about his music journey over the past 40 years and being mentored by legendary artists like Charlie Wilson and Babyface. Victor provides lots of great stories when he was signed to RCA and working with legendary acts Michael Jackson, U2 and Diana Ross. Lots of great tips and points Victor shares to help musicians, bands and artists move forward in their entertainment journey. We look forward to catching up with Victor in 2021. And now it's that time again. I'm heading over to Bex for our question of the day. So for this week's question, what is the name of the Beatles' first album? So if you think you know the answer, please get in touch with us and send us a voice message via anchor.fm forward slash entertainment engine. Or you can send us an email at podcast at seamlessentertainment.co.uk for a chance to be featured on next week's show. Well, that's all for today's episode of The Entertainment Engine, and thanks for listening. Join us again next week when we are joined by US entertainment lawyer Melanie Rodriguez, who is helping artists achieve their creative goals. Melanie is a trusted advisor who provides expertise to creative entrepreneurs, entertainment entities, and music artists across all aspects of the industry. So make sure you subscribe to the podcast and follow The Entertainment Engine on Facebook and Twitter for all the latest updates. It would be great to have your feedback on the show, so you can always drop us a message at any time. That'd be great. Thanks for listening to the show and stay safe. The Entertainment Engine.